gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Welcome everybody to the latest edition of ESSR Central here on Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retreat. I'm your host, Scott McLeod, and we're here with our latest edition of the show where we run down all the latest goings on in wrestling, all the news, we preview shows, we review the week's goings on in the weekly world of wrestling. And we're here, I am your Pat McAfee this week, doing it for the brand and joined by my loyal stablemates, the one and only uh, David Hockney, <laughs> Governor, Brian Gallagher. And the bruiserweight, Ross McLeod. That was quite creative, Scott. Uh, I'll give you props for that one. I just heard you saying somebody was loyal, and I thought we were going to go with loyalist in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we intros this week, so I thought, you know, efficiency, drag, lump these all together in the one, you know, like time saver. Sorry, I did that to Alan, David, and Derek last night on Dream Survival Series teams. <laughs> and you can hear that next week on our ESSR main feed, as well as this show, previous episodes of Central, and other lovely feature shows like The Impact of Impact, feature shows like Alexa Bliss, which is coming out in a couple of weeks, shows like East Meets West with My Good Self, shows like Saturday Night Live with My Good Self and David Hockney, mm-hmm. and many, many more. So what about anyway back to the wrestling? Is that still going? No. No. Okay. No, we cancelled that, right? Ryan Wilson left, so there was very little interest in Ryan Gallagher. I still miss him. Still miss him. Anyway, back to the wrestling. It's a blockbuster of ESSR. <laughs> you show your face. <laughs> <laughs> I make sure you keep up with all the shows that are going on, so you know when a show is no longer being done anymore. Much like anyway, back to wrestling on at Suplex Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please join our ESSR community page where you can get involved with uh, the show and uh, give your thoughts. So you can read it on future shows like. And Ross posted asking for your dream survivor series teams and favourite teams of the past for this for next week's ESSR show about dream survivor series teams. So boys, uh lumped you all together in the intro, so I had more time for plugs and now that's it the way. Now on to the news. That's what we're all here for. And we've got the continuation, I'll start with you, Dave. We've got the continuation of this ongoing saga involving WWE and the Twitch stream. And their certain superstars who are apparently, much like Paige, who I'm going to mention, uh, for apparently refusing to give up their Twitch stream, even though she's doing it under a real name. And there's quite an emotional video going around in the last week of her kind of breaking down during the stream about how much Twitch means to her now that she can't wrestle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think she basically summed it up best when she was saying, you know, she broke her neck twice for the company. And, you know, she's been away for a long time due to injuries and stuff. So. This sort of felt like the only alternative for her in a way, not just to make some income, but also, and I think this was a point that she really emphasized on, it's the fact that it was an escape, escape from the the realities of the real world, the ups and downs and all the tragedies that are going on at the minute. But, and I appreciate what she's saying in the same way that, you know, some of us might use, you know, video games or, you know, we go to the gym just to escape reality for for a few, maybe for a couple of hours. Uh, so I can understand why it means a lot to her as well, especially when it acts as, a, as another source of income. And it builds that sense of community as well. You know, everybody's joining in on, on the Twitch. It's not just, you know, the, the streamer streaming content. Yeah, because like she mentioned, it's not about the subs, it's not about the money that some of these wrestlers make, because some of them don't even keep it for themselves. We mentioned Dakota Kai before. You know, she donates pretty much everything to, to charity. And mm-hmm. Ryan, she's decided she's going to keep going, see what kind of he does. And what really can WWE really do to punish her, given that 
she's not been on TV in God knows how long. What are they going to do? Sack her? Like, <laughs> see if they do, if they did decide to sack her for it, I'm, I'm all for this, you know, I think they've got too much power over over people who they don't actually give proper, like, staff contracts to. Um, we all know the, the, the stuff that's been going about, about wrestlers being uh, kind of sole contractors, um, not having proper things in place. I know WWE kind of look after them in terms of decent wages, but... I mean, see if they're trying to do something out with. Wrestling's a short career. You know, see for the majority of folk, wrestling is a short career. Um, I don't know how much money people can make from from Twitch. It's not something that I'm totally clued up on. Um, but I'm assuming if it's set like any other form of social media, you can make some money from it. You know, like Twitter, Instagram, you know, Facebook, all these kind of things, YouTube as well. So Aye. see YouTube if... Channels, they- YouTube channels generate about $80,000 alone in some Aye. cases. Exactly. So see, it's a short career, like I say, for, for wrestlers, especially ones who maybe aren't hitting the heights that they, they should. Like Paige isn't going to be in WWE in 10 years' time. Let's be honest, she's not going to be there in 10 years' time. They're not going to keep her on forever. You know, what? as much as she's there just now, what's she doing? You know, I think they're just, for me, with Paige, it's just a case of waiting until she's she ditched Debonzi. So I think she's kind of... She's looking ahead to the future. She's making sure that she's got something in place for that. See if they want to sack her. What's, what's the worst that can happen? You know, she gets sacked, she goes and does something else. She goes and, well, potentially wrestles for another company. I know we, um, the kind of whole Daniel Bryan thing before, but him potentially leaving before they, they cleared him and going to wrestle somewhere else. So I'm pretty sure that something like that could happen. Um, but see if she makes money from, from playing games, from being on Twitch and... and kind of connecting with fans then leave her be man that goes for everybody else as well everybody else is doing it I've seen apparently Zelina Vega has apparently found a a bit of a loophole in it I don't know if you want to if you've got that to touch on Scott but she started a an OnlyFans page not what you think Um, it's it's not what you would you would think for an OnlyFans page she's just doing it for her fans to you know kind of get content from her like photos different things they can connect with her in, in different ways as well so I don't know if they've maybe cracked down on that yet or if she's kind of went a wee bit left field, but aye, we'll see what happens, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I was going uh, to mention that, yes. Like I said, she especially played out like, this is how, this is what I'm doing, this is the purpose of this, only if it's not for this, these purposes, so if you're looking for that, you're not going to find it here. Uh, yeah, because like, I don't think they even, they even mentioned OnlyFans in the, like, the statement about Twitch streams and talking about Cameo, so... You know, eventually they're going to try and crack down on that once eventually people try and go over there to try and make money, but then... Uh, Scott, just you, wait, just you wait until Vincent Mann finds out about OnlyFans, man. That guy's going to go bankrupt. <laughs> and Ross, the way he's kind of went on the defensive about the, the Twitch people, because they're under a pay of scrutiny for this, and PW Insider were saying that some sort of them reached out to them and said that, oh, you know, like, it's not a case of, like, taking money out of their, their pockets, because, like, we're, we, these all these people signed new contracts recently because their means their downside is a lot more than it was before. Yeah, saving on the fact that they're not travelling on the road, it saves on road expenses. But then you know, you wonder well, what happens when this is over and they go back on the road again. Yeah, um, we had a bit of a discussion about this in the chat before, and I think people sort. I'm just looking, trying to pull the thing up because I, I had it on my phone and then my phone reset there, but. Basically, a couple of people in the chat didn't really understand what the big deal was because it was WWE that paid their wages. And I've seen that online, but as Dave says, like 
Paige can't wrestle. She broke her neck twice wrestling for that company. So why shouldn't she be allowed to do something? It's not it's not a, a black and white thing that all oh, we take money out of their pockets. Yes, they can make money off it. Yes, it's a multi-million pound industry. But some people don't want to do it full time as a job. They do it for a bit of escape. And then if they make money from it, great. You know, there's a big difference between what you earn for Twitch and what you earn for WWE because it's massive money there. Mm-hmm. So I don't think... I don't think it's as black and white as people see, like, oh, they're taking money out of their pocket or, oh, WWE pays their wages. There's got to be a middle ground. Yes, sometimes WWE can be like, well, actually, we're sponsored by this company, so you can't do Twitch, which I think is fair enough. But if there's no conflict interest, then I don't really see really see the problem when they're doing it. Yeah, and I think also the you know given her response on the video as well, you could tell it was really affecting her mentally as well, and it, it just goes to show how much you know having that sense of community and you know how much that that involvement means to her, given that you know she can't wrestle anymore. So it's not really a case. I don't think it's a case of you know it's all about the money. It's I think it's it has that mental aspect too. Like you can't just take away something that makes somebody happy. Like say if if a place you were working for said you're not allowed to do podcasting and stuff because in case you say anything negative about us, like, how do you think that would make you feel? Like, would you, would you question about working for these people again? I fuck your council. <laughs> I'll say what I want. I'll say, and fuck Asda, I know. <laughs> I can neither confirm or deny that's my feelings on that. <laughs> Yeah, because like, like you said, Dave, it's not really about the money for a lot of people. A lot of them are just independent creators looking for an outlet. And like the new contracts say that like these people need to like, do a certain amount of hours of streaming under this new WWE streaming platform. Uh, you got to think when they go back on the road, they're going to try and fit the hours in amongst the hours they're already doing from live events, TV, anything else that they're doing. And eventually they're going to try and take the fun and look at what was the original purpose of doing these streams in the first place. Because the only reason a lot of people are doing more of it now it's because they do have like more free time and you can tell us a lot of unhappiness in the company about this and sticking with that theme I'll come to you Ryan that apparently a lot of people within WWE are reportedly unhappy according to the Observer that they're not happy with the current format of Survivor Series obviously they're going once again with the brand v brand thing of Raw v Smackdown and apparently there are people within the company that have said that they don't really like WWE's continuation of going for this format um, I haven't seen that, but I don't. I think that's probably a bit. I'm going to say it out of order. That's not the right choice of words to say. Um, but I, I don't think that they're they're right in being critical. Of that Survivor Series has always been Raw versus SmackDown. It's always been that brand supremacy, brand warfare. I think it's what's made it so good over the past few years as well. You know, like um, you talk about the build up to to Survivor Series a couple of years ago, Becky Lynch getting her face broken. But that was one of the best things that's happened to her, in all honesty, because it just it pushed her to this kind of next level of being this kind of dominating competitor because she was going up against Raw or she was going up against SmackDown or whatever when she was on. I think she was in SmackDown, wasn't she, mm-hmm. at the time? So it's kind of pushed her on. I, I don't I don't get it. I haven't seen that. Like I say, Scott, I can't give too much on it, but if they're unhappy with the format of, of Survivor Series being a kind of brand V brand thing, then from the wrong company to be honest with you like that's that is Survivor Series for me that is what Survivor Series is for for everybody in years gone by as well yeah and 
Dave, I think a complaint about fan, what fans may have about the brand rebrand thing is yeah, you get like great matches out because like uh, Sasha versus Asuka in particular, the Raw mm-hmm. match during Women's Champions, like there'll be, be like great matches out of it, but the complaint is that it kind of holds storylines for a few weeks because like look at Bray, like the Fiend has been out doing with Drew and Randy on Raw the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. uh, and yet. Like, that's not really going to go anywhere because Randy's got a Roman to deal with at Strategies who's not really doing much to think about Randy because he's mm-hmm. still doing the stuff with you, so. Yeah, it's a bit of a a bit of a weird one to say the least because, you know, they practically booked the entire card on one episode Raw. And to me, that screams lazy booking between, you know, just brand supremacy between Raw and SmackDown. Like, and I get what Ryan's saying, you know, like brand supremacy Survivor Series are always the best kind of uh, Survivor Series. Like... Say between, like, in the early 2000s to 2015, you know, Survivor Series wasn't all that great because you just had a mixture of faces and heels going against each other and there wasn't really much storytelling behind it. But what I liked about last year's Survivor Series uh, when NXT was involved, they had the tri-branded Survivor Series matches, which were absolutely fantastic. But what they did for the main title matches as well, they had all the champions had challengers in of their own rights. So they sort of were able to continue the stories on from that point, rather than just having the three brands main champions go at it. Because, I mean, let's be honest, I mean, who out of the... You couldn't really have either Brock Lesnar or The Fiend losing at that point, you know, when they were just reaching their peak of their of their title reigns. So I think they sort of played it safe by having challenges for them at that point. But this time around, uh, I mean, Randy Orton's facing down at least two potential challengers with The Fiend and Drew. And... You know, Roman, I mean, Roman's still got that thing going on with Jey Uso, but it looks like they've aligned with each other now. So it's, uh, yeah, I think they might have missed a chance to maybe get NXT involved this time around and, you know, create two more title matches for Survivor Series as opposed to just having champions be champions. I think the reason, like, they're not doing NXT this year round is because, well, they want as little few people that they need and mm. Thunderdome because like they had a thing with a bunch of PC people coming in as extras for a retribution segment and then there was a report of a COVID outbreak in the PC and then some of them were mixing with main roster people so I yeah. clamped down on that uh, Russ, yeah, Dave mentioned the idea of like lazy booking like, and it can be in a sense the idea of like they announced four weeks ahead of time of oh, here's your matches that you're going to see at the pay-per-view with little build what I do like sometimes when they try and build these is that the champions sometimes defend the titles in the lead up to it so you think Maybe the match that we were told we're getting, we might get a difference with that. And uh, there's a tease of that uh, this Friday on SmackDown is Bailey's getting a rematch against uh, Sasha. So potentially it could be Bailey versus Asuka this time around. Yeah, um, I, I think it makes the weekly TV interesting because especially last year you had to tune into Raw, SmackDown and NXT because you didn't know who was going to show up. At, it spiked the ratings in NXT. I think... And obviously you talked about the title matches as well, that you're not always going to see, you know, you might not get Sami Zayn, Bobby Lashley. You might, maybe, Retribution might cost Bobby Lashley a title match closer to the time, you know what I mean? Um, But something we touched upon on the Survivor Series show that's going to be out next week is keeping brand warfare, because as Ryan says, that's what makes it interesting. It's always been Robbie Smackdown. If you keep the brand warfare... but Every year doesn't have to be tag champ v tag champ, US champ v IC champ, etc. You know, you can be certain years where, say, Raw's US champion and SmackDown's tag champ are on, 
in the 5v5 teams and then maybe Raw's tag team challenges a Smackdown team for the titles and the IC champ challenges you know a Raw superstar for the title you know just to freshen things up I, I don't think there's a problem with that but if they're complaining that it's Raw v Smackdown well you know they're all in the one bubble they're all in the Thunderdome bubble so I don't see the problem with that because it's not as if they're mixing don't get me wrong if they brought NXT in and they were complaining that it's two different bubbles mixing I could see the point but I really don't see the issue with Raw v Smackdown because we you know go back and watch 2015 Survivor Series it's utter gash <laughs> uh, I do think this uh, for a while the uh, brand be branding peaked in 2016 and then became interesting again last year when they brought NXT in I think one of the issues I have with it is that can we you can do the brand v brand thing all you want just stop having your brand v brand show happen like less than a month after you've just switched everybody from one show to the other so I'm defending the honor this show I've been with for all of three weeks and like the biggest example to me is like the Street Profits representing Smackdown is the New Day representing Raw when like two weeks ago they were the tag champs of the, of the opposing shows like before they did the wee switch around on on Raw so like it's wee things like that, that I struggle to buy in with, but I do think like I said that match and the the Asuka against either Sasha or Bailey eh, will be great matches. And speaking of great matches, where we go into a match that John Cornette actually thought was good. I know this wasn't <laughs> from the 1970s feature in the bloody Rock and Roll Express and whoever else was in the territories at that time. Was it from yeah. the 1990s feature on the Rock and Roll Express? <laughs> Or from 2019, featuring the Rock and Roll Express. As oh, good God. The <laughs> misfortune of covering. But, yeah, it was a match that we won't go into too much detail about because some people may not have had a chance to watch it yet because NXT UK is not a brand that a lot of people seem to have time for when it was around originally, and then now it's just recently been brought back uh, in the BT Sports Studios in London. But it was a match that uh, Dave will go to you. A match that I think a lot of people are agreeing this could have been a takeover main event easily if the world wasn't as it was mm. uh, with Walter defending the UK Championship against Ilya Dragunov. Uh, yeah, I think Nigel McGuinness summed it best when he said this was takeover worthy. So you took the words right out of his mouth there. And I actually watched this match just the other day. And oh my God, like how is Ilya Dragunov still alive after that? Because he took so many mental bumps, particularly, you know, I think around about a third of the way in. Uh, he landed awkwardly on his neck and you know as we know with neck injuries and stuff you know you have to take those quite seriously but it wasn't just that you know in the spots he was taking with German suplexes and uh, stuff like that but it was more the, the chops he was taking like we, we know how brutal Walter's chops are and you know Dragunov was taking them to his chest to the back and it looked like you know his he basically shed a layer of skin off his chest. It was it was that bright red, and uh, it was arguably one of the most hard hitting, brutal matches I think I've ever seen. Not just in NXT UK, but in WWE as a whole. Yeah, I think this is the kind of matches that NXT UK needed to have at the moment because it's not really it wasn't musty TV coming back because I think the format of it was a bit strange given that we had the Thunderdome now and like the things at the Capitol uh, Wrestling Center with some fans in the arena and then people on the screens but you know that when NXT UK came back they had piped in crowd noise when there was clearly nobody there so it was a wild thing to get used to and uh, 
it's weird, uh, Ross, that we would. It's weird that we almost didn't get this before the pandemic because I'm pretty sure everybody could see that it was coming down to. It looked like it was going to be Balor versus Walter in Dublin, a show that we may, may never get because it keeps getting pushed back and pushed back like a bloody Avatar sequel. £40 return, Ryan L. Ryan Gallagher's your man. I'm on it. No worries. Yeah, it's weird it's a match I never got, but you know, you, you were speaking now, Scott, about how NXT UK wasn't must-see TV when it came back. We saw um, Eddie Edwards when he won the TNA title. He done, I think it was about six or seven weeks of open challenges for the title because the title hadn't been defended in five months when you know Tessa Blanchard decided to bugger off to Mexico and hold the title up. So I was surprised they didn't maybe like do a big Clash of Champions style show when they came back because it's easy to book, it's easy to sell. It's a case of, oh, by the way, all three champions in NXT UK will be defending their title next week on our relaunch show. Then you maybe do a week, a number one contenders matches. Then week three, you do these big matches. But for whatever reason, they've chose not to do that. But we did get this match out of it and it was absolutely amazing. Uh, I watched the full episode of NXT UK just so I couldn't be accused of being a glory hunter. I would recommend anyone that's not seen it yet to not watch the full episode of NXT UK and just skip to the main event because the opening match with that um, Valkyrie and unnamed jobber was horrendous. <laughs> and I can't remember what else was on the show. Uh, that's how memorable it was. But Walter versus Dragunov is amazing. I'm no spoil the result if you've not seen it. But it's an absolutely brutal match. And the fact that it can make Dave Meltzer, who's you know always been a wee bit harsh on WWE, say, aye, that was amazing. The fact that it can make, you know, Oscar the Grouch impersonator Jim Cornette <laughs> say that, oh, aye, that was good. It just shows how good it was. It was, it was a great match. It was brutal. And I'm glad I avoided spoilers for it because I get sucked in with some of the false finishes and some of the, some of the close calls. And it really, I, I don't know how I can get my praise. It was amazing. That's simply all you can say about it. Yeah, uh, Ryan, I won't come to you uh, on this one because I know you haven't seen it. So I like, don't want to affect your kind of opinion of it. I will read the exact uh, tweet that I have in front of me from Jim Cornette. And you can tell he, just, he has to get in his, his thoughts on current wrestling, just sneak it in there in amongst the praise. He says, uh, just saw Walter versus Ilya from NXT UK. If you've been wondering, this is what pro wrestling could have evolved into had it not been commandeered by comedy writers and backyard cosplayers. A masterpiece of the true art of worked combat. Kudos to you both. Right, so and, I haven't seen I haven't seen the match, right? But by the time this show goes out, I will have seen the match because I'm going to watch it tonight. Um, but I, I seen that tweet for Jim Cornett and even when he's trying to be nice, he still has to be a bit of a dick, doesn't he? Like, he had to, he couldn't just say this was outstanding. You know, I've heard every every single person that's seen the match has said the same as you guys. They said it was absolutely outstanding. I can't actually wait to watch it. Um, but it just, it, why can't he not just be full? Why do people like him need to be? so so clever when it comes to wrestling they need to be so in the know about what's right and what's wrong in wrestling Ross you've said it yourself before and I can't actually put it any better 
people like different wrestling. You know, one man likes one thing, one man likes another. We probably all like the same thing, ultimately. Just just admit that it was a decent match and don't be a dick about it. Um, did Dave Meltzer give us five stars as well? Did I see that? Yeah, you got the full five. Yeah. So I actually had to go back and check as well. Just I have seen the result for it because I had to... I had to look it up and see. Um, it wasn't in the Tokyo Dome. This one, it wasn't BT Sports Studios. Um, so that was quite good to, to see that get a five-star film. Listen, I've said my, my views on Dave Meltzer on this, this show before. I don't care about Dave Meltzer's star ratings for matches. I don't care how he, you know, why does Dave Meltzer rank a match that people need to listen to? Whereas I, I don't rank a match. I'm never going to come in and go, that was, that was four stars and everybody else just says otherwise is wrong. Like, we don't care, but uh, just seeing people like them, no, actually enjoying this match, it's, for me, it's a bit of a breath of fresh air, you know what I mean? So no, I'm not bogged down with people just wanting to be too clever when it comes to the wrestling, just like the bloody wrestling. <laughs> I, know, I, find, I always find it ironic uh, when people try to be clever about something that we know is predetermined. Like... By the way, I knew the finish. Like, good for you. Don't fucking spoil it for me. I'm trying to watch it. <laughs> yeah, and it was amazing that Meltzer gave us five stars because, like, five star matches have been hard to come by. Like, from Meltzer, from what I've seen in like the US, unless you're in Japan, because uh, like other than this and the uh, the parking lot brawl that I think the guys discussed a few weeks back in AEW, there've been very few like five star rated matches from Meltzer since the COVID happened. But I'm glad that. Also, wrestling has managed to continue in a way that we're still able to put on quality matches despite like the way it's been presented with very little uh, fans, not even in the arena. Scott, that's a prime example, though, what you, you'd seen there. The, the two matches that he's given um, five-star ratings to, one was a parking lot. Sorry, parking lot bros don't get five-star ratings for me. See, as good as this was, and it was, it was it was amazing to watch. It was so good. It wasn't a five-star wrestling match. You know, it was a, it was a segment. So that, for me, just totally shits over everything he's got going for him with these star ratings because a parking lot brawl does not get a five-star wrestling match rating for me. There's no way on earth that it can get one. But anyway, that's me. I've said my, my piece. No, I totally agree what you're saying. I, I can't really offer an opinion on it because, honestly, I'll be upfront about it. I didn't watch the parking lot brawl. I still haven't. So I can't offer an opinion on whether it was or wasn't a five-star match or not. But Ryan, I'll stay with you because we're continuing on the... AEW as a, a new Twitter account, AEW uh, Games has been uh, teasing a special announcement on Tuesday, November 10th, uh, which I'm pretty sure is also the day that these Dune Survivor Series show goes up. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Watch, listen to that show, then check out the announcement. <laughs> uh, I think it's been a tease for a while that at some point AEW will come up with their own video game, and uh, from what we heard, video game enthusiast Kenny Omega is heavily involved in this. Uh, what do you think we can really expect from this? Do you think they're going to go for a, announce a new video game uh, only a year into the company's run? Do you reckon they'll probably have a, a, a career mode where you basically just pick a guy every match to just do something anti-WWE the whole way through it? That's, just, that's a, a, a set segment of every show. Just how do we how do we say fuck WWE in a segment? No, I, I think it would be quite good. It's, it's quite good for them as well after only a year of, of properly you know, kind of having Dynamite that they're, they're, they're able to get up. I mean, they've got a lot of backing, don't they? They've got a lot of financial backing mm-hmm. with, with the cans. So, I mean, you look at <clears throat> look at um, when ICW said they were going to do a game and they started it, and then that just 
never happened because they obviously realised we can't afford to do this. You know, we've got somebody very basic in to make a basic um, kind of graphic in the garage, and that's as far as they got. So <laughs> it's, um, aye, it'll be good to see. It'll be good to see how, how it goes. So hopefully, they've got a decent company on board for it as well. You know, as much as people can kind of slate off, you know, except 2K and stuff like that, they've done the WWE games for the past few years. It's, in terms of games, it's decent. You know, it's, it's probably just a wee bit annoying for folk, but in terms of actually game quality, it's it's not bad. So hopefully they've got something like that under their belts to, to make it worthwhile and doesn't just go down the pan. You know how in the uh, my career modes and the recent games, it kind of starts off with you and a bunch of other performance center trainees getting talked to by one of the coaches. I imagine the AEW game starts off like that and then your character's told you're not good enough to make it in WWE. So then your character goes off to Japan for however long and then gets signed by Cody or Kenny or whoever it is. I actually think you'd start your career mode and then week two you get a, a world title shot against John Moxley and win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you I... some sort of battle royal or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you start, you start on uh, EW Dark probably. <laughs> Losing to Sean Spears if, you're, <laughs> if you've not got a grasp on the controls yet. <laughs> yeah, oh no, no, you joke about that. Does anybody remember WWE 2K15 for the uh, first vaguely. time? That's like season mode and like see if you were a face, you couldn't get like off the pre-show. It would always be, pardon me, I have nothing for you. Would you like a tune-up match or a dark match? I have nothing for you. Would you like a tune-up match or a dark match? Mm. Then you'd have a feud with Ric Flair, beat him, and then the next week, I've got nothing for you. Would you like a tune-up match or a dark match? You're like, Vicky, how are you running this show? No wonder they say. <laughs> uh, you know I think for an EW game as well, the controls will just be so basic. It's like... Uh, Squares a clothesline, triangles a super kick, circles Canadian destroyer, and X is a finishing move, which will be some convoluted tag team finisher in some, some shape or form. Uh, X is yell, I love pro wrestling, not sports entertainment, as fucking sweaty <laughs> virgins scream out from Bailey's place. Spamming the square button, which is just V triggers over and over again. <laughs> We're going to be some uh, fans that are going to be switching this off by this point. I know. Good, good, we don't want them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Um, see, just, see, <laughs> see, just on, on games, man, I want see if AEW bring back the manager mode you used to get in SmackDown v Raw. Bring that back, man. I used to love that. When you didn't need to do wrestling matches, you could just put them on and it would rate you. Like, you would choose if you wanted to go SmackDown or Raw and it would rate you against the the other show that week bring that back man that'd be class uh, you see we're talking about this maybe being a video game but we spoke about Twitch at the start and Kenny Omega is like notorious for loving video games maybe it's just going to be AW launching a Twitch channel like you know, it might be just such a letdown you know what that's actually not a bad shout given that you know obviously some talents such as Brandon Cutler and Nero and Nyla Rose you know they've all got Twitch streams and they've been uploading videos of them playing Among Us onto YouTube. So maybe a, a gaming channel might not be out of the question either. What a I mean, buzzkill that'll be, man. What an absolute I mean, buzzkill that'll be. I mean, that, I mean <laughs> think about it. The, the Twitter feed's called AEW Games. Like, usually if a, a Twitter handle's got, like, games in the title, it usually refers to, you know, they're going to be creating gaming content as opposed to releasing a game. I mean, I'm interested to see what an AEW game looks like because we haven't seen many wrestling video games outside of WWE for quite some time. You know, there's that Fire Pro Wrestling game, I've, I've no play, I can't tell you what it's like. Uh, Impact released a game right back in 09, which is the main reason we got Suicide as an on-screen character. <laughs> I think ever since like 
WCW. Because I, I know a lot of people have like fond memories of like the NWO World Tour video game they released back in the day. It's been very hard for other wrestling companies to kind of break into the, the video game market, probably because for most people who just casually walk into a game shop and see a wrestling video game, they might not be as familiar with them unless, uh, as they would be when they see like WWE on the, the game. It's weird. It's not something like. Um... Like a FIFA, like if you don't watch English football, you can still buy FIFA and play a career mode as Rangers or Celtic or Aberdeen or Hearts or whatever. And you could, you, you know, if you want. You can't do Hearts. Well, can't do Hearts. Can't do Hearts this year, sorry. Dundee United. Um, you can vote who you'd like to win the league and who you'd like to relegate um, in the season <laughs> mode. A bit like, or if you don't like, you know, British football, you can play La Liga, you can play Serie A, whatever. And you don't have that sort of diversity with a wrestling game. For a wrestling game, it is just, you can play an exhibition wrestling match or you can play an exhibition, sorry, a, a wrestling match and storylines that we make for you. That's why like the things like manager mode, as Ryan was saying, added a bit of diversity because it's sort of like football manager. You're trying to put a, put a brand together, put a roster together, put cards together that would interest the, you know, the fans that are in that game. So, I I think it will be a hard sell. Like AEW, I've said it before, AEW's went bigger than my expectations of it so far. But it's going up against WWE's third show. We're talking about we've got more viewers in the UK. Yeah, because you're on a free-to-air channel and WWE's on a premium sports channel, BT Sports. You know, you're on TNT, which to my understanding is basic cable in the US. Mm-hmm. And Fox is a premium sports channel again. And it happens all throughout, you know. You, you could say it in any country, like, oh, by the way, in Kabul, AW's got bigger ratings, but in France, it's WWE, you know. It, it, AW doesn't have casual name brand recognition yet. So I think a wrestling game, which is already a niche audience, and an AW game will be a hard sell to casual fans. Mm. It could really be good if they brought back stuff like. Uh, GM mode, like things like that, that we aren't really using their games because, like Xavier Woods and Tyler Breeze have shown enough up, up, down, down that there's a, a kind of desire to see that because when they've been playing the old games with that, they brought up a fall and up, up, down, down. And I remember when that used to get like updates like so and so is injured in that, or any W game would be like your team should champion must go film a reality show for a man, please switch your championship. I'm moving on to something I know you guys don't uh, keep up with as much, but it's a bit of Japan news, but I'll briefly talk about it. Yes! Yeah, very annoyed at New Japan at the minute because what, what type of Japan, Japan is it? Is it is it the newest Japanese professional wrestling, or is it older <laughs> yes. Japanese professional? So it's the newest Japanese. Yes. yes. Okay. Good. Do they have an old an old Japan pro wrestling? No, have they got that? No. No. Okay. Is it, I thought that's maybe they retired. It's called AEW. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of annoyed at, at New Japan right now because on the 15th of uh, November they're having both the best of the Super Juniors tournament and their World Tag League tournament happen at the same time and that's an absolute for me and Grant to keep it with and that ends on December 11th and then the very next day is announced that on December 12th they're doing a one night tournament as part of their US show New Japan Strongly Super J Cup which is uh, again another thing we need to keep on top of <laughs> if one tournament wasn't bad enough. But I mention this because it's got some names I think people may recognise from, from WWE. And with notably Leo Rush, they've 
Mm-hmm. He's actually been quite quiet uh, as far as wrestling. I'm pretty sure the main thing I heard about him before this is he started on OnlyFans as well. I don't know what he's doing. Is it Funaki? What? Is Funaki in it? No. <laughs> is Tajiri in it? No. What about Tio Santana? Is he in it? No. I'm pretty sure he's retired. Oh, Vado. <laughs> is Grado on it? No. Is Grado there? No. I don't know. I can't bring this up. Neil <laughs> hey, Rush. Aye. Pretty much almost a return kind of kids. Like he's been relatively quiet in terms of wrestling mm. uh, since he left. Yeah, he's um I believe he was one of the talent that got furloughed uh after WrestleMania in the uh, at the peak of the, the pandemic. So and I think you know, he's been very vocal on social media as well about, you know, he's had a lot of gripes with WWE about letting him go. Particular, I think, you know, his, uh, I don't know if it was uh, his family at the time. You know, I think he was about to have another child or maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. But uh, either way, like uh, Leo Rush, you know, he was, uh, I think WWE made a massive mistake in letting him go because his series with Angel Garza over the Cruiserweight Championship is probably one of the only times I've actually been invested in the Cruiserweight Championship scene uh, as part of NXT. Like, a highly underused talent as well. He was off for quite an extended period of time before he moved back to NXT at the same time before getting released. So, so I think him having this sort of bounce-back opportunity to go back to New Japan, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a fresh start for him. And I'm pretty sure he's been competing on a few other sort of low-tier indie promotions as well. Uh, the names of them escape me off the top of my head. Yeah, he's going to be competing this amongst uh, some of the guys, some of the lesser known guys that have been featuring on New Japan Strong. They've also got a uh, Bullet Club member, El Fantasmo, as part of the tournament, and uh, former Dowie names uh, TJP, now part of uh, Impact, and the uh, uh, man who left WWE on some controversial circumstances, to say the least, uh, ACH, the man formerly known as Jordan Miles. Oh, gosh. As part of this tournament, he's featured once or twice on New Japan Strong. He's for a while it's easy like you might be retiring and then he made his kind of return to wrestling okay that's Ross and Ryan do you have any thoughts on some of these names I've mentioned to beat for New Japan or should I move on <clears throat> I think it's weird to think that um, not from a New Japan standpoint but WWE um, that Leo Rush who was on last year's Survivor Series as defending Cruiserweight Champion mm-hmm. is now being sacked for the company it was less than what, five months later, he got let go, and now he's in a different company. Fair enough to him, good luck to him. Um, ACH, you know, yeah, everyone has their own opinion about what happened. I think his reaction to what happened in WWE and the way he was calling like uh, black wrestlers that didn't openly support him or like, speak out on Twitter, his Uncle Tom's or the traitors and all that. I, I didn't like that. So, not got a lot of time for ACH, you know. Yes, it was a silly t-shirt design, but it was more lazy design than, I think, a racist design, if you get me. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> that, that thing just spiralled out of control and I just kind of don't have much time for ACH. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a whole issue I think we've covered before in the podcast. But... Uh... Oh, maybe we can move on from that. I should have just ended with the AEW game thing because that would have helped us transition nicely into the next bit. <laughs> Given that Full Gear is this coming Saturday, I thought we'd kind of have a, have a rundown of what's what's going on, the main matches. Uh, Ryan, I'll start with you. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston in the main event. Uh, 
they had this match a few weeks ago. It's kind of a last-minute thing when Lance Archer couldn't show up because he had to isolate for two weeks. And now they kept this going because he said, I didn't submit, I, I passed out, you didn't be, actually beat me. Uh, John Moxley has been defending the title since February, so he's had a decent length reign. Uh, what do you think of Eddie Kingston since he came to AEW and his chances of uh, taking the title from Moxley? Mate, I've absolutely loved Eddie Kingston. I, I never knew anything about I know he's kind of one of these kind of indie darlings that's been good about for years. Um, I never knew a thing about Eddie Kingston before I seen him in AEW. Um, but that guy can talk, man, can't he? He can cut a mm. promo. He's he's intense in the ring. He's he's not like the best gifted wrestler, but he's he's a good character, man. He, he plays his part well. Um, he looks he looks strong. He looks dominating. I can see. I can see him picking up the win in this, which is quite strange considering it's the match we weren't even going to get at one point. You know, we were going to have Lance Archer um, going up against John Moxley for for this. So, interesting to see what happens with, with Archer going forward if they just sort of slot him back in, um, regardless of what happens with this. But we, we see this all the time with wrestling, don't we? The kind of unexpected things that we're, no, we're not meant to get sometimes turn out to be the best. So I think that the John Moxley's had a good a good reign. You know, he's he's beat he's beat most folk. I think it's probably time that he he pushes it on to somebody else now and goes maybe down a different path. Um what that is, I don't know, but I'm not in charge of booking it. Um but I I'd I'd love to see Eddie King somewhere in this, I actually think he will. Yeah, Russ. Part of the reason I think some people think Kingston will do is his believability the way that we talk up talk himself up on the mic and also the fact it's a no it's an I quit match so there's no DQ and Kingston is the leader of this new like heel faction himself, the Lucha Brothers and Butcher and Blade so there's a player in for interference and we know Pac is maybe returning on uh, Dynamite whether they're actually be there or not but you know I think some people might think he might show up to cost Kingston so I think it's the idea that anything could happen in this kind of match uh, Yeah it's um I'm quite intrigued because the way they booked uh, John Moxley, not since he's been champion, just since uh, Double or Nothing back last May, which feels like a lifetime ago in these uh, COVID times. Uh, the way they booked him and the way Eddie King booked his entire career, I can't see one of them saying, I quit. I think it's I think it's quite an interesting matchup. But, you know, we talked about there, you know, He's meant to fight this guy, but they get COVID. He's meant to fight that guy, but they get COVID. I think that should be part of the AEW career mode. Get a world title shot, get COVID. Get your world title shot, lose to John Moxley. Get a title shot, get COVID. <laughs> Just be stuck in this horrendous loop. Um, it's weird. I, I don't know if they'd do it, considering WWE's just done it. But the only way I can really see Moxley saying I quit is if Renee Young's in attendance. And if she maybe gets brought into the match, because like Moxley doesn't really have friends, you know, that's not the character he is. He wouldn't give a shit if you know, Eddie Kingston grabbed a Dasha Fuentes or a Tony Schiavone, you know what I mean? Like, like oh, I'm going to push. Okay, what, what, what am I meant to care about this? Uh, so I don't know how they're going to get somebody to say I quit. I, I really don't. Yeah. Uh, I think it's very similar for Eddie Kingston. The only way he kind of can lose is if somebody in his, his stable says it for him. I, I think it's going to be anybody, I think, Phoenix, because they've been teasing tension with him because it seems like uh, Kingston favours Pentagon, keeps calling him my best friend uh, mm-hmm. on Dynamite. 
Dave, me and you have talked about this match quite a bit on SVL, mm-hmm. but mainly because of like what it means points-wise. We've never actually talked about the actual match itself. What are your kind of thoughts about the potential outcome of this match? Uh, I'll keep this relatively short because I think the guys have covered most of the points. I think a loss for Eddie Kingston would be more damaging for him than it would be for a loss to Moxley because Moxley's had an excellent run of momentum and it would be no shame if he lost the title now. So I think Ross actually... I agree with what Ross is saying. I think in some convoluted way, they might get Renee involved in somehow. Like, assuming that she is uh, signed to AEW, because there have been rumours that she and Mauro uh, might be hosting a new show uh, associated with AEW. So I think the only way Moxley is going to say I quit would be in the same way, you know, if somebody threatened a loved one. In the same way that Roman, you know, put the guillotine on Jimmy, which forced Jey Uso to say, I quit in Hell in a Cell. I I think it's going to be something similar to that. Yeah, I'd, I think Kingston's probably going to win this because I think, you know, like I said, he can talk a good game like on the microphone. He's a hell of a talker. If he loses this after he lost already to Muxley and then he lost the Battle Royal, but then said, well, but I didn't actually go over the top rope. He becomes one of the characters. Like, he's at the risk of becoming one of those characters we've talked about before that uh, can talk a good game, but sometimes it's always able to back it up. But if he gets the title, it lights a fire under Moxley, makes him a bit more interesting and mm-hmm. he chases the belt and gives this heel group, I think, more legitimacy. I'd like to see Moxley like, be off TV for a wee bit after, like, if he loses. Because I, I think something that happens a lot is either AW, AW's fault is they bring people in and then put them straight into the world title picture and then they lose and then it's like, where do we go for here? Like, mm-hmm. can we big this guy up so much and then this has happened? And something WWE does is that straight away the champs going back after the world title. Mm. Sorry, the ex champs going straight back after the world title, and it either means you get a really crap short reign from the guy that beat him, or you see this guy get beat twice, and it's like going into another feud or taking some time off would have worked better. So I think AEW need to avoid that that pitfall. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Moxley and also the pitfall of making Eddie Kingston as you said Scott just another guy yeah definitely uh, Russell I'll stick with you for this this next match where it's uh, implications regarding the inner circle on the line here with MJF going up against Donald Trump's favourite wrestler Chris Jericho uh, <laughs> and if MJF election jokes if MJF uh, wins he gets to join the inner circle you know it's been interesting a few weeks for these two they had that dinner segment that's divided people a lot and there's also like again we talk about can't see like who could win or lose here but like these two have been very well protected like like MJF you can count the amount of times he's lost in AEW on one hand and then only one of them was he ever actually pinned and that was against Boxley while Jericho given that he was world champion for like, he only ever lost when he needs to like help put somebody over like Orange Cassidy, Moxley, Scorpio Sky so these are two very well protected guys so it's got to the point where it's hard to see them lose, especially in this very rare heel v heel match. It's ironic because before today, and then you know, at the time of recording, it's the US election, and it's it's a bit chaotic at the minute. My thoughts on this were that MGF would win, Jericho would welcome him in, and you've seen things on Twitter where he's like, he's put going to the burbs with my homie, and it's him smiling. And like Santana or Ortiz is looking at him like, 
who are you gonna go away? <laughs> or like putting up congratulations, my my best friend Jake Hager, like on your Bellator win. I thought it was gonna be a case of you would see MGF win, he's poisoned in a circle, he kicks Jericho out, he's a new leader, and then like we get a face Y2J. And it's ironic that on the eve of this pay-per-view, Jericho's made himself possibly one of the biggest heels in wrestling at the minute because he's been caught donating to the Donald Trump campaign. He's been tweeting about, you know, oh, I really, we should close the ballots after midnight and all that rubbish. So um, I'm all for MGF beating him. I don't care what happens after it. Um, I've just kind of went after Chris Jericho. He also got caught with a photo next to a Trump poster and someone zoomed in that apparently he'd use some sort of paint function on his, his Snapchat or whatever to cover cover up his rec- a receding hairline or a bald spot. <laughs> I've seen that actually, yeah, that's hilarious. Somebody went, are we, not, are we going to ignore the fact that Jericho used MS paint to cover in his bald spot? <laughs> He's just becoming a, a sad dad at the minute, Ryan, and uh, I think, yeah, it'd be interesting if like, he got ousted from his group and MGF took over. Then again, this is full gear where a year ago, MGF betrayed Cody, so I think it would seem like kind of the same thing as, as last year in a way. Aye, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see. Like, I think I've said before, I'm not a, an avid AEW uh, watcher. I watch the kind of highlights, I watch the clips, so I've missed a good chunk of this, um, this kind of build-up. But I'm a big fan of MGF. Um, I like what he does, man. I think he's he, he plays his character well. Like I said about Eddie Kingston playing his character well, I think MJF plays his character even better. You know, he is just the guy that you want to hate all the time. Um, in terms of Jericho, don't get me started on that guy because I'm ready to lose it him the day after seeing his, his tweets about the election. I think how can somebody be such a hero but such a knob at the same time? Like, I, I don't understand how somebody can play both roles, but he does them both very, very well. So I hope MJF wins. I hope he gets absolutely scudded, Jericho. Um, and that's my that's my take on, on this match. Well, just to answer Ryan's question, it's because he's a fake rock star and a wannabe rock star. And on that note, three years ago today, my Facebook memories have just reminded me that I attended Fozzy Hardcore Superstar and support sold out in the garage Glasgow. See, that just shows you, Fozzie are meant to be a big, massive superstar band. They played the garage, man. Fucking, I, I know people have played the garage. We guys with Clay Bank have played the garage. They could, play, they, they could have played at the Battlelands too. I mean, that's a slight, only a slightly bigger audience, but it's a much more famous venue. Right. He's, he, he's, a, he's a lead man of a rock band, and yet he was the second best singer in a segment where only two people were singing with him and MJF. <laughs> <laughs> MJF is a surprisingly good singer. It's so Darrell, right, because... he's, he's a poor man's Bon Jovi, Chris Jericho. It reminds me he's a thing abundantly clear. Uh, Dave, your thoughts? Um, you know what, I think this is probably the most talked about match now, given, you know, what they did with the whole singing uh, skit and all. I mean, I thought it was quite funny at first. I can see why Kwaku loves his comedy wrestling now. So this was... Um, I mean, this it was a definitely a different... This was a bit of a curveball for me, W, knowing that they're meant to be the whole the serious wrestling promotion and all that. So, But um, I think the storytelling possibilities with this one have got me really intrigued. Like, and, you know, but I do see MGF getting the win and, you know, somehow, you know, maybe turning the inner circle against Chris Jericho because, you know, we've seen with Chris Jericho, it doesn't matter where he goes, he's probably going to get more cheers than booze. 
and he does brilliantly as either a face or a heel. So I, I think MJF does a lot better as a heel. So I think he needs to be have a, a prominent role in a heel inner circle. And you know, Jericho's good at putting over talents. Just look at Orange Cassidy. I think he could do the same with MJF as well. So you're going with MJF? Yes, I am. It's quite interesting because like Jericho's even said in the past three podcasts that at one point when they're throwing our names for this faction, somebody said, why don't you have MJF join the group? And Jericho didn't think he was ready at this point. He thought MJF was better on his own. And then after he betrayed Cody, he's like, do you want to join the inner circle? Do you want me to join the inner circle? <laughs> and then they started that up most recently. So yeah, I think uh, I think MJF as well, Ross. I'm assuming you're, from what you've said about Jericho and his band, you're firmly behind MJF. I used to like Fozzie. I used to like Chris Jericho. I don't like him anymore. I was going off on his whole, like, He's all anti-WWE now. Beforehand, he was, I'll never go anywhere else in my life. <laughs> Blind bastard. Um, <laughs> no, I just, I think the inner circle, like it worked when Jericho was champion. They've kind of floundered at the minute. Um, I think new leadership could do them good. I think it would make it more interesting. And I think Jericho could probably use some time off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think Inner Circle under Jericho peaked at the uh, at the stadium stampede, and it seems like we're all going for MJF because you know he's better than all of us, and we know it. <laughs> uh, now, this uh, this next match, this has been a, a dream match for a while. It's the the Bucks versus FTR uh, again. Dave, a match we talked about a lot in, in, on FTL, not because of like the implications of the booking, but because of like points wise. So we'll talk about the actual booking itself. Mm. I think they've kind of. They took this match, they just had to like book this match, rematch, you choose who you, you want to face, you know. I'm not talking about like a Shades of Greek, I would just, just choose who you want to, who you support, who you think is a better team. And I think they royally fucked this up, because MG, FDR heals, and then since All Out, the Young Bucks have been starting this whole, oh, we're doing a slow heel turn, we're kind of heels, but we're not. And why is everybody in EW when they turn you need to do a slow heel turn either? Sometimes it's either easy to say, he's a bastard now, mm. and... Then the box added, oh, if we lose, we will never challenge for the titles again. Yeah, I think from a storyline perspective, they've sort of backed themselves into a corner with this one. But if you look at the match on paper, you think, yes, I absolutely need to watch this. And because tag team wrestling is definitely AEW's strongest uh, strongest area at the minute. And when, you, when you've got... Um, Got to a world-recognized tag team like the Young Bucks, and then obviously one of the best tag teams in the world, FTR, who were vastly underappreciated when they were in WWE. It's um, you know you're going to get. I, I reckon this is going to be match of the night. Like no two ways about it. And it makes me also think of when Omega and Hangman faced the Young Bucks back at Revolution. I'm pretty. Was that match? I think that match was given like what was it? Uh, if it wasn't five stars, was it six stars? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. That's what I'm expecting to see with the Bucks in FTR to either get, if not, if I think I'm expecting it to be a five star match, but I'll happily accept if it's like four point seven five or whatever. Yeah, like I'm sure, like given that everything happens the way, the match itself will probably hit for a brief moment will make me forget all of that. You know, when you peel uh, Dave Meltzer sheets off with a toffee hammer, he'll be so excited with all the stars he's going to give this match. <laughs> uh, Right, I think again, like I said, the idea of like going back to where you were a year ago. A year ago, they did Cody. If he loses, he will never challenge again. He lost. 
and like as much as you like to say, oh, you're booking yourself a champ, the Bucks are going to be AEW tie champs at some point. You can't see them coming to a company that they started up and never holding the belts, even for a while. Aye, this match gives me the fear, to be honest, because this is the one I think might push Ross over the edge with, with the Young Bucks. I reckon he's probably going to get pushed at the edge with the Canadian Destroyer fest that's probably going to come for it. So, no, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a, a decent match anyway. Um, like I say, I don't, I don't watch it. I've not seen the build for it. I know that the, um, they've been going, the the Bucks have been going down this kind of heel route for a few, a few months now. Um, it doesn't make sense to have a kind of heel, two heel teams going up against each other. But regardless of whether these teams are good guys, bad guys, fucking nothing, guys. Um, the match they're going to put on is going to be outstanding. It's going to be absolutely class for, for the two of them, so now I'm looking forward to it. Rusty, do you agree with Ryan's sentiments? May it will be the match that pushes you over the edge? <laughs> um, I don't think it's very much me. I think it's more Stephen Wilson that's got the problem with the Young Bucks and the Canadian Destroyers. Uh, I do agree with what people have said, though, about the slow heel turn. Like, What is wrong with Sean Spears belting somebody other he'd wear a chair? What is wrong with Seth Rollins? battering the shield with a chair, you know, and just instantly turning heel. What is with this slow build? Omega's never a heel. Hangman's never a face. The Bucks could have chose someone quite easily. But the match itself, I think, will be sensational. I think a lot of the Young Buck matches, as good as they are, they are a bit samey with the Canadian Destroyers and the Flips. FTR, as Dave said, vastly underrated in WWE. Their NXT matches speak for themselves. Like so, American Alpha, the VOD villains, uh, DIY, ALP, you know, sensational match. Even after the era when they went back down to NXT. Mm-hmm. Some sensational matches there. They always find a way to do something different in their matches. And I also think because... We talk about selling. We talked about selling earlier on when we talked about uh, dragging off your water. FTR actually do tag team moves. They actually work as a tag team. It's not just, I'll flip, you flip. I'll flip, you flip. So that seems foreign in today's sort of wrestling, especially the style of wrestling AEW does. So it makes every match seem different and seem special, as opposed to just like a backlot brawl with best friends and uh, Santana and Ortiz. Mm-hmm. Um so I think this match will be a sensation, but I think it will be down to FTR. I think the storyline was there, you know, it, it, the way they're presenting the storyline kind of reminds me of Nakamura AJ at WrestleMania a couple of years ago. Yeah. They couldn't just do one's heel, one's face. They had to just build it as, this is a dream match. You're like, we know it's a dream match, but that's for us to say, that's not for you to say. I personally thought, like, for the story, it had to be like, FTR wins the first one. And then you could add Bucks, put the stipulation on it, because then you could then build to like the the rubber match. Then again, I think it's the, uh, the 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 fact that this unnecessary stipulation kind of calls the finish of this first match, because I know it's going to be a siege, but I think this first match has become a bit predictable. I think it's hard to not see the Bucks winning this one. I can see see if the Bucks don't win, mm-hmm. they'll cost revival. See the next uh, brush with greatness. They'll cost the revival that match because they know that's the only way they can get a match with him. Sort of Shawn Michaels 2010 where he cost Undertaker the title just to get his attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think FTR needs to solidify themselves as the number one tag team because 
you know, it, the Young Bucks have got a role as, you know, as executives of the AEW and they're part of the elite as well. So I think it would be more beneficial for FTR to win on the big stage as opposed, you know, just win brush from greatness uh, every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't mean to utterly yeah, dismiss it outright because of that stipulation. I'm, I'm open to be being surprised. What I'm not surprised about is uh, last week's Dynamite is in a backstage promo announced that Shida will defend the title against Nyla Rose because Nyla Rose has been number one and these apparently important rankings mm. for ages now. And so, okay, and this promo came right after we had an excellent match in the women's division for the NWA women's title. Ryan, AEW is booking another company's women's championship better than their own championship. I got Nyla Rose was still there, man. I thought that was a, a flash in the pan. I thought she came in and actually got a title, lost the title, and then disappeared. I've not seen her for, for a long time. Oh, fuck, right, okay. Um, that's her career going down the pan there. I think he's going to take her down well. Um, I can't, I... I've seen the I've seen the NWA stuff recently. Who was it she was facing again? Who was the NWA title match this week? It was a Serena Deep Zuna champ against I don't know I can't remember her name Layla something. I think she made she look like a miniature Ronda Rousey because she had the same gear like you put Ronda Rousey in the tumble dryer she came but she shrunk a wee bit. <laughs> so um, as you can see the deep obviously now there you've got um, Thunder Rosa as well. Who was the former champion? It's doing the rounds. That's who. That's who should be facing them. That's the people that I've seen, kind of on telly recently. I've not seen neither. Was like where she came from? Is she just all of a sudden done the whole WWE thing? We just put somebody back into a title match just for the sake of it. Like I don't. I don't actually care about this match too much. I've got absolutely nothing that's making me excited for this match. I've not seen a decent build up to it. I've not seen it. I've not even seen any clips from it which you normally see in the build up to it so nah this does nothing for me this much it really just sums up the state of AEW's women's division at the minute like they're res- like they've dragged Hikaru Shida's reign out for so long that they're actually actually resorting back to the the person that she beat to win the title in the first place and yet in the meantime you know as as you mentioned you know it's the likes of Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb and a Companies champ and another company's championship are getting more attention than AEW's uh, women's roster. It's uh, oh, I don't know what to say at this point now about the women's division at that. Can I have a shot at it? <laughs> go, go for it. Yeah, yeah, anyway. it's pish. It's absolutely dire. It's a massive failing of AEW that I saw uh, Michael Sidgwick of What Culture mention in an article that the Kenny Omega versus Hangman angle is the perfect angle from the perfect wrestling company. I'm sorry, but uh, in terms of tag teams, I don't think it's been as good as people make it out to be since the first original tag team tournament to crown the first champions. I don't think the women's division has even got started. Brandy Rhodes has had more heel and face turns than the big show. Ali has been, <laughs> Ali's managed more people than Paul Heyman. And I, I just, another company's, like obviously the other company comes with, they, they've possibly put in like parameters to say, by the way, this person has to win. Or when they had Thunder Rosa lose to Shida at, um, it's all out. All out, yeah. All out, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
they had to say like maybe like oh by the way takes three finishers to put her down to keep our champion strong blah 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 but the, as Dave said they're going backwards to Nyla Rose as Ryan says where has Nyla Rose been I'm not accepting she was on Dark because nobody fucking watches Dark mm-hmm. Dark started out the way Superstars started where it's like oh by the way Matt Hardy's taking on The Undertaker and it was quite interesting now it's you know Ricochet's taking on Apollo for the fifth week in a row and no one wants to watch it. Like that that's what Dark is. It's unnamed jobbers going up against the people you that aren't good enough to get on dynamite, like Luther and Serpico. So so I don't accept that oh by the way, Dark's on. And the fact that Dark isn't a one hour show anymore. Well you've got no excuse the fact that you have a two hour weekly show and a show that goes as long as you decide that week to build a women's division and they've just not done it. And the fact that sorry, the fact that Kylie Ray decided to leave after the first two shows, I think maybe she's seen the writing on the wall. I don't know if is Rio injured or is she just not being featured? Lucy's still Lucy's in Japan, can't get back in. Alright, well fair enough, fair enough. That is part of the problems at these times. But like Rio, Nyla Rose, um take on to and I could only tell you about her because Ryan absolutely loves her. Uh, and uh, Shida, sorry, I, I, there you go. I forgot who the women's champion was. <laughs> Are the only people I could remember in the AEW women's division. I, I think Cameron popped up at one point. I seen a meme about that. Don't know if that's still a thing. Uh, it's just thankfully. I like. I'm sorry if they want to be taken seriously as a wrestling company. If they want to be the answer to WWE, well, they can't just be putting on. Canadian Destroyer Fest with the Young Bucks every week and Kenny Omega can't do six V-triggers. Maybe you should look at a women's division somewhere other than Japan because they bringing them in and saying this person was great in stardom. Well, I'm sorry, Io Shirai was great in stardom, but that's not her gimmick in WWE. She's got a fully flesh gimmick. Aye. You know what I mean? So it's not hard to do. I mean, we did a, a whole show on AEW's like, women's division and the, the poor state of it. It's again beyond a joke uh, at this point that was ever like because Nyla Rose lost the belt to Shida at double or nothing and basically it's a case of like oh yeah she's number one in these rankings we need to make sure we pay attention to these rankings every so often so people stop moaning at us about them and also the fact that she's a former she's a former champion that's all you've got here and I think the obvious answer to like who's going to take the belt for Shida is probably going to be Britt Baker and maybe for a reason they thought oh Britt's just back from injury I think she's had one proper match on Dynamite Post like the tooth and nail match because that was maybe uh, hide her like weaknesses because she was still recovering from her knee surgery. Uh, it's just getting into a right state, and like that match I mean mentioned that the senior D match it was a great match, but it didn't even have that much time. I think five minutes at most it went because you got to skim that time down because you know Cody has to have like three different entrances uh, when he comes out. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Cody in a minute, but his very TNT title match with Darby Allen. Mm. Uh, don't ask me how Darby got that title shot because I don't bloody know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm past this match. Like to be honest, I'm not. I don't really care like what happens because Cody basically ruined the TNT Championship when he took it off Brody Lee, like back with that dog collar match. Uh, and I've seen Cody and Darby too many times now to really get invested here. So I'll give this one a miss. Where's Brody been? Brody, I don't think he's been on Dynamite or Dark since uh, bloody 
since he lost to Cody. And also talking about Dark, like Dark's getting like two over two hours almost. It's almost like getting to the length of an average draw at this point. And like last week, you had Shida on Dark and Sean Spears in a match on Dynamite. I like, I'm sorry, they might both be in my draft team. That's arse backwards here. <laughs> yeah, um, Brody Lee, I don't mind being off TV if they're going to find something for him to do when he comes back. And he's not going to go right back after Cody. You know, we, we discussed that um, earlier on with Moxley's title reign. But I, I feel like I'm pointing at the flaws in AEW because I'm I'm not anti AEW. I think the idea of AEW is more intriguing than the booking of AEW. I think there are glaring potholes in AEW, and like the, the booking of this card is one of them. Uh, Moxley versus Eddie Kingston, I think, is the shining light in this. The match itself between FTR and Revival will be great but the storyline aspect has been poor the women's division's a joke the TNT title's a bit of a joke now that Cody has it back I agree with I agree with um, David and it's just I feel like I've been bashing AW this entire show I, I, I'd like the idea by the way just to clarify of MGFE Chris Jericho I just think Chris Jericho's a MAGA support prick um, that's not that, oh, that, 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 that's Make America Great Again, MAGA, by the way, not uh, an insult to the good people of Magaluf. Um, <laughs> I, I just wanted to clear that up, but I, I'm going to, yeah. like Dave, I'm going to give this one a miss. I've seen Darby Allen. Darby Allen, to me, I don't see anything new or exciting. He's just a guy that takes unnecessary bumps. Right, cause like, again, I don't know why. Maybe it's, I mean, I've been paying this close attention because, like, main reason I watched this past week's it's because I was also going to watch Halloween doing Havoc, so I wanted to see what AEW were putting up like against it. But like Orange Cassidy was on this roll where he, he beat Jericho all out. He didn't beat uh, he didn't beat Brody Lee, but that was because of John Silver from the Dark Order getting involved. That setting up a match apparently it's going to be John Silver and Orange Cassidy, and I think on a buy-in match, so give Orange Cassidy his win back in a comedy match. But then he took Cody to a time limit draw. He thought, "Great, you're protecting Orange Cassidy." Very next week. Oh, Arn Anderson cheap shot him and Cody beat him in the Lumberjack match. So, like, again, you've kind of screwed Cody Lee a wee bit. He's not been on TV. And then he's kind of beat Orange Cassidy and now Darby. Pretty sure it's the third or fourth time Darby and Cody have fought since their initial, like, Fighter Fest match, like, over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Again, the only thing that interests me is, like, the rumors, like, because things, merch has been taken off WWE's website, the rumors of him going to AEW being in, like, Darby's corner. Because they both have face paint, and honestly, because like some people, get to, I don't think people said, "Oh, he's going to be in Darby's corner." I think it's like, "Oh, him to AEW," because anyone who leaves Darby goes to AEW. Like, if you don't have Sting in like Darby's corner for one night, what the fuck does this? Uh, sorry, what does, what does Sting even add to AEW? See, that this is something as well. Um, oh, by the way, we're going to bring in Tully Blanchard to manage the revival. Uh, managers to me should be if someone can't talk for example Sean Spears which I think was a waste of Tully Blanchard anyway but you know um, or Arn Anderson because he was he was in the Four Horsemen so they're going to make sorry he was I know he was in the Four Horsemen but then oh we're going to bring in Arn Anderson because he was in the Four Horsemen and he's going to be Cody's coach and you're like what 
like that it's wasted TV time on these guys who you know WWE gets a lot of stick for the reliance on part timers and yeah Arn Anderson isn't in the world title scene but he is in fact affecting I should say uh, mid card title matches Tully Blanchard is front and centre with the tag team champions like what does Sting bring Houghton didn't know it uh, when he <laughs> when he manages Darby Allen because if Sting's there if a legend comes back and this is where WWE falls into this pitfall if you bring a legend back it either one doesn't work and it's just like oh god I wish he'd just go away he's retired he can't wrestle don't do these cheap segments a la Austin 316 day from Raw earlier this year or people want to see them in a match because they've had an interaction with someone but it's never a match you're going to get so you're just going to disappoint people he said we don't like AEW like I think no company has like when it's first couple of years debuted at the as big a level as AEW with much money behind it so I think if, if a lot of people think it's like a kind of take on WWE or be that alternative you need to have as you need to look at them the same way you like look at WWE if it's something's bad like you need to call out for being bad and if it's good then fair enough enjoy it but then yeah. you can't have, you can't view one company I think different just because one of them's newer yeah that, that's the thing the idea of AEW because nothing will ever compare to your own fantasy booking um, the idea of AEW was more intriguing than the actual uh, execution and yeah there's been great stuff and yeah there's been great matches and yeah it's good to see the likes of you know as much as I've slagged them Kenny Omega the Young Bucks on weekly TV, it's nice to see before it realised he was a MAGA supporting dickhead uh, Chris Jericho on weekly TV it was nice to see John Moxley somewhere, he felt comfortable it's good to see these things but there is problems in the likes of hiring old guys to be managers for people that don't need managers hiring hiring ex-WWE guys just so they can say I'm not a sports entertainer, I'm a pro wrestler hiring people to come in and lose to the champion and then appear on dark for six weeks at a time you know they're in the women's division we we mentioned that it's a glaring hole it's an absolute shambles at the minute there is problems in AEW and this pay-per-view you know their last pay-per-view was the worst pay-per-view they've ever done this I think could be a great pay-per-view because I have no expectations behind it bar which we'll talk about in a minute I imagine Hangman Kenny Omega the storyline prospects of MGF, Chris Jericho, and the in-ring quality of FTR v Young Bucks. So we go on to Halloween Havoc, and we had two big title matches, uh, Ryan. We started out with a North American title match, and we had the return of the whole spin the wheel, make the deal. It comes from the old Halloween Havoc, so is this an intriguing concept? Do you the idea of like, these two big matches being determined by this spinning wheel? Um. I and no, I like the idea, um, but there was quite clearly somebody behind that wheel stopping it <laughs> to make sure it landed on something. Because it wasn't. Listen, I've been working from home for the last few months. Um, my daily routine involves watching Holly and Phil on this morning. I've seen the the, the spin to win wheel. I know how these wheels work. I'm well versed in the the land of wheels. That wheel was. Somebody was stopping that from behind when it landed at the right, the right one because it was just, it was kind of going, it just stopped, like stopped dead, whatever match it was. Um, 
I don't understand why they've got matches that, have, that are just like TLC matches. Like, if just make it an ODQ match, I hate all that stuff. Um, every match is a TLC match as long as it's an ODQ. You can just use whatever you fucking want, didn't you? <laughs> um, so, now nah, I like the idea. I thought. I thought it would have been nicer to see something a bit more ambitious from it um, rather than just matches that we see all the time. You know, I think we get a, a TLC or tables or was it scares or something like that. You get a, um, what was it, oh, just an ODQ match or whatever it was. It's called the Devil's Playground, which I'm yeah, that was, concept, I think I've never heard, I've never I heard that concept before, but they managed to have a handy graphic. Just in case the wheel managed to land on it. Yeah, I think it, I think it was meant to be false count anywhere, just disguised with a Halloween theme. In the same way that the TLC match was tables, ladders, and scares. Alright, so as we're not seeing anything different. So the for me, they were doing as well, just announcing what the matches were before the show because it made a fuck all difference having the wheel. It didn't add anything to it other than an extra wee podium for them to chuck each other after. So <laughs> aye, it's um. The match itself, I'm, I'm being a bit negative on that. The match itself was decent. I really enjoyed this one. Um, I didn't think he was going to win it, though. I didn't think it was going to be a, a title change in this one. But um, obviously, Scream get involved. So <laughs> that's when you know when Scream starts getting involved in wrestling matches. It's up there with Robocop for WCW. Like it's uh, the interferences that you're that you're desperate to see. So um, I've seen loads of folk like that. Oh, who who is? Who is the masked scream or who is it that's behind? Fucking, of course it's Candice. Like, <laughs> it's the stupidest thing, of course it is. And so, then Johnny dressed up as him for the TLC match, no doubt. Aye, exactly. So it, it's utterly useless, the whole thing. But match itself, like I said, really good match. I enjoyed watching it. In fairness, you know, in the first scream, it was Matthew Lillard who went on to play Shaggy in the Scooby-Doo franchise. Yeah. It was another one of the masks. And I mean... He's no Dane much recently, so I don't think we can rule out him oh, as a possibility. Mate, could you imagine Shaggy showed up? <laughs> you know, could you imagine? I mean, I mean someone I'm else. Be, I'm sorry. David Arquette, really, but... for, a for a Halloween show as well, like having Shaggy pop up, he just goes zoinks. Like, if, it, it, this, honestly, this shit writes itself. <laughs> I mean, as Scott alluded to there, I mean, he was in that film franchise with David Arquette, former WCW World Champion. Mm. So there is, a, there is a connection there, Scream. The NXT as confirmed. <laughs> I, mean, I know Derek was like a call, but he wasn't like a killer in it. But the idea of the ghost face bats coming off and that's David Arquette, you know, they all like, it's me. It was me, Damien Priest. It was me all along. God's sake. And, and personally, I don't, maybe it's because of the noises of the people who are in the Capitol Wrestling Center. I didn't hear that it was tables, liars, and scares. For a second, I thought she said tables, liars, and stairs, which took me back to when they had tables, liars, and, sta- liars mm-hmm. and, and stairs back in 2014. And Why did you bring that up? Why did you bring that up? The match, I was like, Jesus, they have not used a stare at any point in this match. Like, they're not living up to the stipulation whatsoever. <laughs> oh, I hated that TLC pay-per-view. It was awful. You know, I think the part of the reason, Ryan, that they gimmicked kind of the, the, the wheel, like having some behind it, is the whole people joke about the coal miners glove thing in the original Halloween Havoc. I'm pretty sure they decided they put that stipulation on the wheel, not thinking the wheel would land on it. And when they first did it in WCW, they just decided, let's legit just decide it via a wheel. And they put coal miners glove match, a little bit of miners glove in a pole match. And they were like, we literally made that up on the spot. We don't know what a coal miners glove in a pole match is. Like, and Sting and Jake Ross had to go out there and make it work. See, I don't even mind that, right? I don't even mind if the wheel is rigged. Just don't rig the wheel to give us boring matches. Like, put something decent on it, something pure random. 
and just yeah. uh, here, here you go. Here's a I don't know, smash a beer bottle across somebody's head to win match. Right? <laughs> Something. You can never go wrong with a TLC match, though. I I actually. Like, I disagree, know, Dave. I disagree. I think you can always go wrong with a TLC match. <laughs> that's all right, but this was like a women's TLC match, though. How many times can you say you've seen like that particular match? And this is one of the reasons why <laughs> NXT's women's division is much better than AEW's. Yeah, I agree. Um, sorry, I'm just I kind of get by the fact that Ryan said that he's watched uh, this morning and the spinner wheel. Uh, so what, what is it called in this morning? It's called Spin to Win, mate. Spin to Win. Spin to win. Uh, the they need, to give a, they need to give a passcode. You get it on the This Morning app. I've entered it every day, so I know I've been phoned. Um, you can win lots of money. I think it starts £800, goes up to three grand. And big oh, filters. advertisement. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, it's, it's not at all. It's just what I'm, I'm, just, I'm just expecting next year, This Morning, Halloween special, Halloween Havoc. Just Holly. Holly there, dressed up as Shotzi Blackheart. Spinning... <laughs> And phoning random pensioners who don't realise they're on the telly. <laughs> Mate, all I'm saying is I would pay extra to watch that. I like that. I like how we got. A, we got. We're talking about Bake Off. Mate, could you imagine it landed in Shotzi's um, Imagine it a business Shotzi. Imagine it was Holly Willoughby, and it landed on Holly's choice. And all of a sudden, you get an impromptu match of the cube on Halloween <laughs> Havoc. That'd be amazing. I'd be. I'd be for that, man. I'd be into that. Great. Moving on for the wheel, the, the joke that I made at the top of the show mentions uh, Pat McAvee's uh, new stable. Uh, we don't have their name, but he just got this big shot just says, do it for the brand. It's uh, him, Tony Lockett, and Diane Burks, the new tag team champions. And the latest member, uh, Pete Dunne, who has history with the Undisputed Era, who's, he, we, we, know, we know what he's been doing during lockdown. Jesus, that boy's arms. Seriously. And. Yeah, never mind that. Did you, see, did you see Pete Dunne's legs, man? He's been skinny. No. He's been like weights. No, mate, he's been skipping like they. They were fucking wee twigs. <laughs> don't know what was going on with Pete Dunn, man. He, he usually looked he was, pure cool, but he looked like a bit of a dweeb. Nah, I think he's uh, he's actually lost weight during lockdown. He's actually po- he posted on social media like how much weight he's lost and how much leaner he's looking, and it's it was evident, you know, like he said, he's got you know his his arms a lot more toned now, and uh, he looks more muscular too, but. This is long-term booking at its finest. You know, obviously Pete Dunne got screwed over at TakeOver New Orleans by the Undisputed Era, specifically Roddy Strong. Uh, so I think it's turnabout's fair play, I suppose. And you see his response to WWE's uh, or NXT's Twitter feed. It's like, why Pete, why? And he just says, why not? <laughs> Aye. Why the hell Answer not? a question with a question. Hey, I think we, we all tell that we all have an idea, I think, where this is going. Uh, the amount of gifts of William Moon going, whoa, guys! We, we talked about like cinematic matches earlier, like I referenced it with the Elite Deletion over in AEW, and then he, NXT had some similar, they had to give across multiple segments, uh, Cameron Grimes taking on uh, Dexter Loomis in a haunted house match, and this was weird. This is what Bray Wyatt against Randy Orton was supposed to be. Mm. This is what this was supposed to be, and they totally made an arse of the last one. But the redeemed themselves. This was class. I love this. Yeah, like some of us and some of the group have been to Discovery Wrestling, where there was a, a zombie survival match, and they were kind of implemented zombies into this uh, match. And like, there was a spot where after was uh, Ross there, right? Sorry, I just, I, I just said there was a zombie match, and I thought Ross would be there. 
Take no heed of it, Scott. Move on. <laughs> but, uh, he, uh, well, Loomis won, but then they, yeah, the zombies kind of descended on Cameron Grains, and part of it wanted them to kind of edit this, where Grains would pop up and suddenly be a zombie, and that would just be his gimmick going forward to Cameron Grains is now a zombie, but he keeps that. It's funny you mentioned that zombie show, because that, like, on my memories, it popped up that Fozzie was uh, three years ago today, and the zombie... A lumberjack match at Discovery was two years ago today, so uh, at time of recording. So we we bit a tip, we tip bit there. Um, I think as Ryan mentioned, like this is what the WWE title match or the non WWE title match between Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton should have been. But characters like Cameron Grimes uh, work in this environment. A character like Randy Orton, I don't think does because he's not going to run away from Bray Wyatt. You know they, they've spent too long trying to make him this look unbeatable, you know, face whenever he's a face. Uh, so this works well when it's a mid-card match or a non-title match, but I can see why it didn't work the last time. But it was it was weird. Uh, Cameron Grimes' acting skills, uh, I don't think he's going to be in the next straight-to-DVD WWE films release. That's what I'm going to say about that. Uh, but Dexter Loomis continues to look like an extra in a Dexter episode. He is absolutely fucking terrifying. <laughs> My favourite moment of this was like, Cameron Grimes gets dropped off to the haunted house. He's wandering looking for Loomis. Camera pans up. Loomis is just hanging about in a tree as if like, that's what he usually does on a, on a Wednesday night. Probably does, to be fair. It's probably exactly what he does. Ross, see, just on um, Facebook memories to jump in there, I thought I'm going to be looking and see what I've done. Um, I've had very conflicting days on this. Um, three years ago, um, was when Celtic broke the record for being invincible. Um, four years ago, um, I was talking all the shit about uh, Brexit. Five years ago, um, I went to see Fifty Cent. <laughs> <laughs> and also five years ago, I booked tickets to go to WrestleMania. So five years ago today, I booked my tickets and my flights to go to WrestleMania 32 in Dallas. So there you go. Uh, we move on from the fun of the, the Haunted House match to kind of a, kind of a serious story of uh, Kylie Ray, who formerly of AEW but now Impact, then to Impact Wrestling. Uh, it was kind of weird because she, she was meant to face Deonna Perrazzo for the Knockouts Championship at Bound for Glory. Uh, she was a no-show for the, even though she was in Nashville at the time, like there was some concern for her. She was replaced with Sue Young in the match. And then uh, it was announced by Kylie on her own Patreon she does that she's retired from professional wrestling uh, I think when she left AEW Dave there was talk that she had uh, she later revealed that it was uh, during a very difficult period in her life and then what's happened here where it seemed like she, her career was finally taken off so she had a lot of potential with impact uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of sad I think a lot of this is to do with her personally uh, she has said that she has uh, the intensity to fulfill any commitment she has led at some point when she feels more up to it so the chance you could come back in some way? Uh, it's difficult to say because you don't really know what goes on in a, a person's personal life these days, but you never know. She could be dealing with like a multitude of things. Maybe her own mental health is suffering as a result, but it's a real shame that, that she's announcing her retirement. I mean, she's, she's still like well, only like, mid-20s still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still yeah. really early in her career. I, I mean, it's it's just a damn shame, you know, that it's had to come to that. But well, for whatever reason, I hope she's... Hope she's doing okay, and you know, if, if she needs help, then I hope she she finds it. Yeah, definitely, Ryan. 
like we're in our age now we're kind of mental health is taken more seriously now than ever and it's a great shame like for a wrestling fan that she's not going to be competing anymore but i think if he's like if she feels this is the best decision for her then like she's both within her rights to do what she needs to do aye i i could be wrong on this um i think the retiral is a little bit premature i reckon that she'll be back i think she just needs some time out um like i say i don't obviously i don't know her. I, I could be completely wrong in this this is just kind of my my opinion on it just my, my thought process is that she's probably dealing with some stuff like dave says um it's good that she's rolling up to it it's good that she's admitting to it or not admitting to it it's the wrong choice i think what's to say in it but it's good that she's acknowledging it that she's got you know she's kind of struggling just now she's taking time out she's she said she's retiring from wrestling it's probably just to help her kind of get away from it completely just totally shut down any any kind of rumours but it'd be, it'd be good to see her back it'd be good to see her come back from it because you don't like seeing anybody kind of giving up their career especially at the, the age she's at as well like you say mid, mid-20s mid um, hopefully she can come back get herself sorted come back and, and kind of go all guns blazing again yeah, definitely. I mean, before she announced the retirement, Ross, they kind of left it very open-ended and, and impact with the hope that she would uh, come back. And again, like, it's just hard to see somebody get cut down, like, well, at someone's career end so soon. Like, there's been an outpouring of support for her, which is good to see. Like, the best thing I've seen so far is that somebody shared a clip, I think it's like an hour before we recorded. It was from a war horse who appeared on AEW that one, AEW that one time face Cody. It was him and Kylie at an indie show. And it looks like they're going to do the bit from Dirty Dancing, like the lifting are up and like they're in the middle of a match against each other and everybody's feeling like it looks like they're going to oh and then Warriors just scoop slams her instead of doing the lift um yeah it's a weird one I saw um conflicting reports that some say that she told them that she wasn't going to be there they knew that's why Sue Young was put in her place um because people forget these are closed sets due to Covid mm-hmm. if you're not on the card you're not there so if Sue Young was there it wasn't as, you know, just in case. They don't do just in case in these COVID times. Uh, I've seen other reports that they didn't know um, until like an hour before. My, my thing is, I think Ryan said, I think she will be back. I hope that if she needs any help, she does get it. Um, but I've I seen a lot of criticism of Impact for people claiming that, oh, well, you know, Diana versus uh, Kylie Ray was was one of the you know the most hyped matches. It was one of the big matches that's there. It's their WrestleMania bound for glory. It was it was, you know, shocking to still advertise it without telling the viewers. And you're like, hold on a minute, WWE advertised The Rock, Stone Cold, and Triple H in a WWF title match until at least ninety minutes into Survivor series before Stone Cold got run over. They knew full well beforehand that Austin was going to be going away for neck surgery and going to be out for a year. So, if a company doesn't want to, a, a company like Impact relies on pay-per-view buy rates, the old slogan is card subject to change. It's certainly something that's out with their control, so I don't think Impact should receive any blame. And hopefully Kylie Ray is back in wrestling one day. Yeah, it'd be a great to not have her around anymore. Apparently, from one story I heard that she, she was in Nashville where they, where they are filming it, she called somebody in Impact the night before to ask for like call times and then didn't show up for those call times, which is why there was a lot of concern. But again, conflicting reports, as we send our, all better, our best to, to Kyrie and hope she, she's feeling better soon. 
you know, we talked about AEW trying to present themselves as a serious kind of sport res- sports-based wrestling promotion, whereas Impact decided we're going to go the opposite of that, where we had a man get shot at his own wedding, very similar to who shot Mr. Barzlow. I don't think Maggie Simpson's going to get revealed as a culprit this time around. I thought uh, I was... John E. Bravo, uh, <laughs> John E. Bravo, uh, when he was meant to get married to Rosemary, uh, officiated by Father James Mitchell, the lights went out and somebody shot Bravo and Tommy Dreamer has been going around on him versus Sherlock Holmes and he's determined to find out who, who shot Bravo. Th- this is... <laughs> th- this is... Um, we, we talked about how people feel the need to be so superior and so in the know and I know this guy and this guy told me this and what have you. That Wrestling takes place in a fictional universe. Sorry, I, 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 so what is the problem with having storylines like this? You know, you know full well that someone hasn't been shot. It's a TV show. It's the same as a Game of Thrones or a Breaking Bad. These people aren't real. You know, Johnny Bravo is a character. So I, I've seen a lot of people can complaining about this, and you're just like, you know, everybody loves the Undertaker, and that's a you know, 50-year-old goth who turns the lights out and appears behind you. And apparently we're meant to believe that he can do that and control lightning with his hands and shit like that. But someone being shot, which is, believe it or not, a big problem in America, (laughs) apparently is out of the realms of possibility in wrestling. The only Johnny Bravo that I'll ever remember is the the, um, the total... (laughs) Jim Freak with the crazy hair and the tight jeans that you used to watch on Cartoon Network. Oh, I fucking love Johnny Bravo. How <laughs> good was Johnny Bravo, man? Do not with me. Yeah, uh, he was like, uh, I, that character was way ahead of its time as well. Wow, he's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, he was doing it before Jimmy Bravo thought it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> like. He is basically an animated version of late 90s rock when you look at the hair and everything. You look at Johnny Bravo and... If you haven't seen The wed- Wedding Sing, I recommend you be aware watch it because like, Johnny Bravo's uh, vows to Rosemary is basically just him reading the lyrics to the Adams Family theme song. Which I think is just brilliant. <laughs> hey, a big storyline point is what uh, means of it right now is Hernandez because he's had this thing where this wad of cash Falaba, a card from Impact, stole off him, which was meant to go to Johnny Bravo for his wedding. And when Hernandez came up to uh, Falaba getting his money back, he said, "Like, where's the money? Like, I don't have it. It was for Bravo's wedding." So there's implication that Hernandez shot Bravo to get his money back. You know, again, if you're not, if this, if this isn't convincing you to watch Impact every week, I don't know what will. <laughs> but our last wee bit of stories that aren't hard to kill. They're bringing back the knockouts. Tag team championships. And um, Dave, we've seen, we've had some people have criticised the uh, WWE's booking of the women's tag team championships, but you know this is one of the times where Impact were doing it first back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think like now in this current year, Impact has a shot at maybe doing this kind of better than the WWE has been doing recently? Yeah, I mean Impact's had the, you know had a fantastic resurgence, particularly with its women's division and you know the rise of talents such as like Diona Perazzo in particular, that's who's really caught my attention and not to take anything away from like Jordan Grace as well has done some of the intergender wrestling. So but I think bringing back the TNA knockouts, 
tag team championships. It's just, um, it's sort of going back to what made TNA stand out when they were in their competitive years with WWE. And, you know, somebody like Diona Perazzo is no longer knockouts champion. I could see her uh, possibly, you know, headlining the tag division, you know, if she's not competing for the, the women, the, the singles title. It means to be that Tennille Dashwood, formerly Emma, will team with a former knockouts champion Madison Rain as part of this tournament. I think there's also a chance for them to write some wrongs that they made themselves when they had these titles already, because like, it's usually these titles were made for like the beautiful people, and then they weren't, beautiful people weren't the first champions because they thought, oh, that's too obvious, and then they gave it to them. And then their final champions were Eric Young and OGB, so one half of your team wasn't even a woman in the first place. Scott, can I be completely honest with you? I gave, um, I gave Impact a wee shot a couple of weeks ago, and I was bored at my tree. Well, I haven't watched it. <laughs> I'm being completely honest. There's far too much wrestling to watch in one week. So if I need to sacrifice one of them, that's getting sacrificed. So I have no idea, mate. Sorry. Fair enough. Okay. What do you think? What do you think about it, Scott? What do you think about it, Scott? That's a better question. <laughs> somebody, somebody watches uh, watches it. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> again, I think they can do it better than WWE has been doing it. Because I like Nia and Shayna. As they said, I love what the Golden Role Models did, but WWE, like, only had their tag champs do them and it put poor Lana through tables every weekend. They, when the Iconics were champions, they did nothing with them, so yes, I'm looking forward to seeing what Impact doing these tag teams do. I agree with you then, I agree with you. As someone who sat through many a Lana match and many a Lana storyline and many a Lana promo for the Raw Report, I can just say that if Nia Jax and Shayna put Lana through tables to the end of time, I will be 100% invested in it because I fucking hate Lana. That's my thought on the TNA Knockouts Tag Team Champions, Scott. My, my, my hope for this Lana story, the only thing I can say for me is one day Lana no-sells the tables because she's become like immune to them. She's become immune to these table bumps. She just sits right back on Oh, yeah, I'm the table. Just, here, I'm actually serious on that. I'm just kind of wondering how long it is before Lana breaks her neck because of Nia Jax because, I mean, she's done quite a few table spots now. So... The law of averages tell you that Nia Jax is going to injure her eventually. Time to say goodbye to ESA Essential for another week. Uh, be sure, as I said, to find this episode and all, all future episodes of Central and all past episodes in our back catalogue and art coming features shows like the Survivor Series, Dream Survivor Series team show that we mentioned before, Alexa Bliss coming soon and all sorts of other shows like FDL, uh, East Meets West, not anyway, back to the wrestling, on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify and iTunes and keep up to date with everything going on with at Repeat on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And at the start of the show, I forgot to mention this is our YouTube channel because there's a lot going on there. In the coming weeks, there'll be the start of the Book It tournament hosted by David Campbell and also myself hosting Quiz Showdown 5, the Quiz Powers Explore, that's the official title I'm giving it, as I put current champion Ross, David Hockley, Graham McRobbie and Jack Graham through their paces and uh, four, no, five rounds I came up with just to fuck with them. <laughs> yes, it's nice that I get on the next quiz showdown, considering quiz showdown four. We decided, ah, we're not going to use the champ here. We're going to go rock Cena. Poor Miz in the background here was fucking shoved to the side. I mate, Miz is the best worker going. Don't you put yourself down, all right? Exactly. Sorry, Ross. We decided to go with the proven draws for quiz showdown four, but we'll bring you back for quiz showdown. Mm. Scott, Scott and David proven draw. Tell me how many viewers combined does FTF and Scott and Paul's rambling get? 
Two. I'm not the numbers guy around here. That's David Talkney. So I'll say thank you, David Talkney, for being here. Thank you. I'll say thank you very much to Ryan. Commiserations are reminding you of any way back to the wrestling. No, it's fine, mate. I, I like to think I brought a bit of anyway back to the wrestling to the show. I'm going to stop getting invited on these bloody shows. I ain't got to talk another load of pish <laughs> anytime with the Central Show. I've, I've spoke more about Holly and Phil on this morning than I have about the wrestling on this show. I loved every fucking second that I know. It's brilliant. And uh, uh, thank you and fuck you very much to Ross. <laughs> I'm having a word with your father, Ryan. You're talking a lot of pish. <laughs> and I've been your host, Colt McLeod. Uh, I wonder if any of us will get invited back on the next Central after this, but uh, until we do, we'll just say goodbye.